0: The KM Community Podcast, bringing you stories from Kent's communities every week. Hello and welcome to the KM Community Podcast. I'm Oliver Kemp and I'm here to bring you the biggest stories at the heart of Kent's communities. This week we're talking the reopening of schools and how that fits in with COVID-19. A little over a week since schools returned fully for the first time since March and it's clear the complex issue of educating children through the ongoing pandemic has not been fully resolved. In the past few days, four schools in Sittingbourne have had to send pupils home to self-isolate after a number tested positive for COVID-19. Now the government's announced a tightening of restrictions in response to a spike in confirmed cases across the UK. It looks likely the virus will continue to affect the running of schools throughout the autumn term, with bubbles having to self-isolate if students test positive. After the chaos surrounding exam provision and the increased attainment gap between rich and poor students, education experts are thinking carefully about how schools can feasibly operate with minimal disruption as we continue to navigate this pandemic. So the first question I want to think about is, is transmission risk low in schools? Now I'm delighted to welcome onto the podcast Professor Martin Michaelis of the University of Kent School of Biosciences. Now Martin you've taken an issue with the evidence the Education Secretary used for telling the public that risk of transmission is actually low in schools.
1: Gavin Williamson cited data from Public Health England from June and July. Uh, these data do not make much sense in this context because these uh, schools run at, at a drastically reduced capacity and then it's much easier to distance. This these, uh, uh, and we are mostly talking about pre-schools and primary schools and the pre-school and primary school setting is obviously very different from a secondary school setting. I think there is a trend to reassure parents and pupils to go back to school and now you try to find evidence to convince them to come back and it is, I can somehow understand that but in the end it, it becomes quickly obvious that, the, these data are not appro- they, that this is not appropriate representation of data when you look around the globe.
0: So ultimately, there are no guarantees about a low risk of spreading in our schools, right?
1: As long as there is virus spread, it will spread everywhere where many people are together in the same room. And when you look in a, in a classroom, um, the many people, same place, the virus transmitted very effectively via the air, um, is also uh, transmitted via contaminated surfaces. So, so if people sit there, t- touch things, children sit there, touch things, the virus can also spread that way, door hand- handles, Yeah, it's easy to imagine. So as long as the virus is spreading and as long as children or, or teachers or whoever comes into a school and is infected, the risk of transmission, of outbreaks, Uh, is of course high. Even in the best case scenario, and in the best schools and with the best practice, you will be unlucky, you will have these outbreaks. So that is, is, for the time being, this is how it is because we are in this pandemic.
0: Now I know you've looked at cases in other countries and how they're being handled, such as the summer camps in the US where a thousand people mixed for a number of weeks and due to regular testing of everyone, an outbreak didn't happen. Do we need to be upping our testing in schools? Is that the answer?
1: I think that's the main problem why it is so difficult to control the spread because people spread it when they don't have symptoms and then nobody knows that they can spread the virus. But there, because they tested them regularly, about once a week, they picked them up early, they could isolate them. they could stop that. They didn't have an outbreak in there more than thousand people and that's quite remarkable. So, so if you do this properly, uh, you have thorough hygiene measures, you keep your distance, you have to be very careful with the distance. But also, and I think that is probably missing at the moment in most places, appropriate testing. You need to test people regularly because the virus is transmitted when people don't show any symptoms, when they don't know they are ill. And that is the major point, I guess.
0: The KM Community Podcast. There has, of course, been a lot of talk about bubbles within schools. At the moment, if a single person in that bubble tests positive, then that entire group must isolate for 14 days under Public Health England's guidelines. In theory, this protects the rest of the school pupils and teachers from also having to isolate. Peter Reid, an independent education advisor and former head teacher, is of the belief that the bubble system is not enough to protect secondary school pupils and keep schools open.
2: I don't think bubbles work in secondary schools, quite simply. Um, There are too many connections outside the bubble. So if there is somebody inside the bubble with an undiagnosed condition, Spreads to 180 children in a a year group in a secondary school, going to 180 homes, it doesn't work. We already know that bubbles on transport don't work, particularly where we've got bubbles from children of up to four different schools travelling on the same bus.
0: The issue of transport that Peter brings up is one brought up last month and has been thrust into the limelight again this week. There were warnings from a Thanet councillor in August who said school bus journeys could risk bursting bubbles unless robust transport plans were put into place. Bus companies across the county announced additional cleaning measures and reduced capacity ready for the school term to begin, with one company saying that where different schools travel together on the same bus, they should sit in their school groups. But a dad from Aylesham has spoken out this week after his son's school bus was so packed, pupils had to stand in the aisle with many not wearing masks.
2: It's not working. I'm not sure, however, what does work. So perhaps the question ought to be, is this the least worst approach to the matter? And I think if you come at it from that direction, I actually can't think of a better, better solution. So my answer is least worst, but it's going to fail completely in some places and schools are inevitably going to close.
0: Like Professor Michaelis, Peter has doubts over the government guidelines.
2: One of the problems I've got is I see government um, instruction, they call it advice, but they mean instruction, coming at people from all over and over. Some of it is there are U-turns all the way because Government can't actually work out what to do. And uh, we call it being guided by science. And actually what we mean is, <laughs> let's try that and see if it works by science. Uh, 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 and it's, it's, it's hit and miss. We've got to experiment. And we can see what's happening in France where schools are closing in considerable numbers because theirs are rising immensely.
0: These doubts that parents have over the effectiveness of the measures put into place to protect their children is making some think twice about even wanting them back in school at all. Peter ran an education advice service until last year and said a number of parents have already been in contact with him about homeschooling.
2: I've been told of a considerable number of families that are withdrawing their children completely from school and home educating, not because they believe in home education. I've given up my consultancy And it says very publicly on my website, I've given it up, but people do still come and ask me for advice. (laughs) And and a couple of those have, two have, but they've just, they've not really asked for advice. They've just said, help, we are fearful. And I can understand those fears.
0: With all of this information, I want to end on this question. Can online learning succeed? Would a structured and planned remote method of teaching mean that those who are having to isolate can still be taught even at home? During lockdown, teachers across Kent grappled with ways to keep pupils engaged and on track, resorting to a mixture of education packs and in some schools, online video lessons. As disruptions to the autumn term look likely, one teacher is hoping to offer that digital solution. Stephen James, teacher at Sandgate Primary School in Folkestone, spent the summer running a virtual school academy to help children catch up with their learning. Founding the pop-up Invictor Academy School with Anna Firth, the pair succeeded in getting 20,000 pupils from Key Stage 1 to Key Stage 4 signed up to classes in August. They now believe the experience of running the school, which has also been expanded to Surrey, London, Lancashire and Oxfordshire, puts them in the right place to help schools needing guidance on making online teaching work.
3: Schools having to um, burst their bubbles or send children home, those decisions aren't taken lightly. They are taken with um, all the information that the, the head teachers can get from Public Health England, as well as from local authorities, as well as from their governing body as well and I would imagine in consultation with with parents too. Um, So those decisions aren't taken lightly and schools need to um, have the provision to go straight from, say a Monday morning, a bubble being burst to a Tuesday morning, teachers effectively delivering those lessons online the next day. Um, And at the moment, I think um, we're still in that, that, that trial phase. I think lots and lots of schools are still um trying to find their way with 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 remote learning i mean there, there are so many um different different options out there you can go with bbc bite size you could go with oak national academy you could ask your teachers to create their own learning for children um and i, I think almost teachers are are spoiled for choice and schools are spoiled for choice um but what they need to remember is is what works well with children and what works well with children is their own teacher in front of them teaching them um, so they need to find ways to do that really
0: steven's hoping that in the future invictor academy could be in a position to provide an out-of-the-box solution for schools to still be able to teach their children effectively in a remote setting
3: if, if a bubble burst um you've, you've potentially got you know maybe one person who's got coronavirus and the rest of the bubble are absolutely fine including the teacher um, the teacher still isolating at home you know they're not being a productive member of of the school community, are they? And that when they could be delivering lessons. Um, I mean, you, some, some people kind of have to get over that awkwardness of being in your own home and um, and, and delivering a lesson as well. Some people need to, they just don't have the technical skills. They need to upskill themselves. Um, and, and again, that's where we can kind of come in and say, look, you know, at a very simple level, this is how you share your screen. This is how you annotate a PowerPoint slide. Um, to to, to kind of more kind of uh, in-depth things like using polls and Q&A and all that kind of stuff. I think it's really exciting to see where this is going to go because what I I don't like as a teacher is kind of this faceless teaching where you you almost put children in front of a YouTube video and you you hope they learn something um, by by the end of it. there needs to be interaction, there needs to be engagement, there needs to be almost, you know, I, I don't know if you remember when you were in school, that got a little bit of banter between kind of the teacher and, 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 and the students and, and, and that kind of thing. And you'd be able to, to react to things which, which are happening in front of you. If, if a child gets a question or a whole group of children get a question wrong, you need to be able to spend the rest of the lesson on that question, exploring it and figuring out why. I, in my view, there's kind of, there's no excuse for it. Um, you know, there's a tried and tested model now and, and, it, and it, it's almost just not good enough for, for head teachers or teachers to turn around and say, we can't do it. Um, you know, the government have thrown a lot of money at, the, you know, the, the catch up fund, a billion pounds. You know, wh- where's that being spent?
0: Thanks for listening to the KM Community Podcast. If you have a story you think needs to be told, you can email me on okemp at thekmgroup.co.uk. The KM Community Podcast. Bringing you stories from Kent's communities every week.